Welcome to the Change Healthcare Podcast and today's show, The New Healthcare Essentials, Consumer Engagement, Interoperability, Virtual Care, and the Remote Workforce, four factors every healthcare organization must address today. This four-part series starts with today's show, Rebuilding Consumer Confidence, featuring David Betts, Principal, Life Sciences and Healthcare at Deloitte Consulting, and Bill Krauss, Vice President of Experience Solutions at Change Healthcare. David Betts is the leader for Brand and Industry Insights, responsible for the development of thought leadership across all sectors in the life sciences and healthcare practice of Deloitte Consulting. In this role, he provides guidance on the development of research and key perspectives for the healthcare industry. Bill Krauss is the Vice President for Change Healthcare's line of member and patient experience solutions. 12 years, Bill has been leading development of innovative solutions for the healthcare market and is currently focused on solutions and strategies that help healthcare payers and providers to deliver leading edge consumer engagement capabilities. And now I'll turn today's program over to David so that we can begin. David, the floor is all yours. I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have um, as we've just really in the last uh, month or so released a number of new studies on this topic that as we've been preparing for this discussion today, sync up really well to research that I know that change has been doing as well. Um, And in the context of our current environment, I think it's really important uh, uh, content for for conversation. the, the three things that I think we're going to focus on today really break along three dimensions of healthcare consumer experience, if you will. And we think they're really important to understand how consumers are, are behaving and what they're feeling in the environment today um, about their healthcare experience so that we as healthcare system leaders know what solutions um, are going to resonate with those consumers. And we've broken the conversation into three parts. As we think about rebuilding confidence in the healthcare system, what we want to understand is the degree to which individuals are are displaying agency. In other words, to what degree are individuals acting on behalf of themselves in their own healthcare journeys? The second component is really around empowerment. And I like to think of this as, uh, you know, to what degree do uh, uh, consumers feel that they have the ability, information, and access to make good decisions about their healthcare? And the third really is about experience. Uh, and in, in the context of experience here, it is what are some of the unmet needs and, and opportunities uh, for the types of experiences that we should be delivering as health system leaders to consumers today? Uh, We titled the seminar today really around rebuilding consumer confidence because we recognize that uh, over the course of the last, I guess, going now on on six months, uh, consumers' worlds have been rocked tremendously with respect to their healthcare uh, by the COVID pandemic. And so we think this is a really important conversation to be having in this moment today. So with that, why don't we jump in? You know, one of the data points that I like to look at to really understand the degree to which individuals are becoming active participants in their own health is the degree to which an individual is willing to tell their doctor when they disagree with them. So this is a question that we've begun asking on our biannual survey of healthcare consumers. We we typically survey consumers every two years and we cast a pretty broad net capturing somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,500 to 5,000 consumers across the U.S. 
and we asked them a whole series of questions. And this is one that we added into the mix here recently. And what we really wanted to understand is if it's our belief that a consumer who is displaying a high degree of agency in their own healthcare will be an active participant by way of actually telling their doctor if they disagree with recommendations that they're making. And what you see on the screen here is that 51% of consumers in 2020 are either extremely or very likely to tell their doctor when they disagree with them. Now, I want to be clear, that's not just 51% who suggests that they disagree with their doctor. But what's important here is it's 51% who would tell their doctor when they disagree with them. And to me, that shows a relatively high level of agency. And the interesting uh, breakdown by generations is also something to look at in that, you know, it might be surprising that seniors are the most likely uh, to tell their doctors when they disagree with them. Maybe it's surprising to me, maybe it's not surprising to you, but, but by and large, I think seeing the fact that seniors and baby boom, boomers are leading the charge in this regard says to me that we're seeing an uptick in, in, uh, in agency uh, broadly defined on the part of consumers. You know, the second thing that we look at with respect to consumers is the degree to which they use technology in either monitoring their health and fitness or in monitoring their own health status. And so if we go on to the next slide, Rick, what we see when we look at um, the, the utilization of technology is some interesting dynamics here. So we've been asking this question in our biannual survey since 2013. And if you look at 2013, you see relatively low utilization of technology in both the context of measuring one's health and fitness goals and measuring one's health status. And you see a sharp uptick on the left-hand side. And what that says to me is really over the course of the last seven years, we've seen this remarkable proliferation of solutions that individuals can leverage to monitor their performance goals. Uh, step trackers, heart rate trackers, um, uh, uh, scales, um, and the like. And this was really the first use case for consumer utilization of technology in their own health, was really monitoring their fitness. And what we're starting to see on the right-hand side is a relative steady uptick in the utilization of technology for monitoring health status. Uh, so things like blood pressure or blood sugar, uh, even mood or breathing function. And we see that that is on a steady rise. And the hypothesis here is that over the last several years, we've seen more and more devices that are more tailored to individuals, particularly those with chronic health conditions, to monitor the status of their health. And so while we see, while we see a plateauing of technology in the, in the context of measuring one's fitness, we're seeing an uptick in the context of measuring one's health status. And this is consistent with some other survey data and work that we've done in the, uh, in the sector uh, to date. And then the last data point that, uh, that's really important to me when I think about agency is really the degree to which when presented with data, individuals are actually changing their behaviors. And so what you see here is that 77% of, uh, uh, of consumers, when presented with data from either health trackers or health monitoring devices are using that data to change their behaviors. And we think that this is a real sign of emerging uh, agency. Um, what's interesting here is that it falls off over time. And I think that the hypothesis, again, it sort of relates to the prior page, is that those consumers who are typically younger and using, using technology to measure their fitness are really focused on things like performance goals. Can I, run, can I run a marathon? Am I able to participate in a triathlon? You know, how am I doing against my weight targets? 
Whereas older consumers are typically measuring things like blood pressure, blood sugar, their weight on a regular basis, and are more interested in measuring the status of their health as opposed to measuring against performance goals. So we see a little less utilization. That's not proven out in the data per se, but it is a hypothesis behind this. And so taken all together, you know, the point in this data is to demonstrate consumers are increasingly showing active engagement in their own health. Uh, Bill? Yes, thanks, David. And, um, you know, some of the research that we, uh, you referenced earlier that Change Healthcare conducted, digging into this area of agency, we looked at it really through the lens of the consumer's journey to access care. And what we see is about two-thirds of consumers, they really prefer that self-service search, uh, you know, getting information. And what's interesting with the data is that the type of information they're seeking is really in support of making what you can see are purchasing decisions. And so that's kind of a, a really interesting conclusion as it relates to this unmet need around agency. Next slide. But I think the other point here is, and we'll get into this too with the, uh, with the data here, but vast majority of consumers today are really struggling to obtain the information they need in their journey to access care. If you look at it, some of these statistics are just really startling in terms of the level of effort that consumers need to go through as they, uh, as they obtain that information to make those decisions. Next slide. So as we think about the healthcare consumer journey and we think about agency and some of the current challenges, if you put together the research that David showed around agency and you think about it from the standpoint of the consumer's journey to access care, so there's a few really interesting conclusions that come from these challenges. First, you know, as, as the data shows, consumers, they want to take more ownership of their healthcare, but they really are struggling to get the information they need to act on that ownership. So, you know, while our research, if you get underneath it, it shows that there's different consumer personas and they're those consume different personas, they relate to the information and they make decisions in different ways. There is an overarching theme that what consumers are really rejecting is that role of being an overall general contractor. If you think about it, they don't really want their healthcare experience to become such an outsized aspect of the consumer's lives that it becomes unmanageable. So while they want information to make decisions and to take more control, they need ways to simplify that are simplified to access that information. And they need ways that um, bring together into a single destination point that they need to act. And I think there's some really interesting analogies and places to consider for our industry. So certainly audience members, likely some of you have experience with navigation programs as an example and ways that the industry has provided services to help consumers, perhaps those that have more complex chronic conditions or other more uh, significant episodes of care. And that while those approaches have shown results, no question about it, the industry is, is certainly under pressure, margin and operational pressure. And so the ability to really scale those types of programs becomes challenging, which leads them to more of the digital transformation agenda. And as we think about ways in which our industry can make that information 
more available and more consumer grade. And I think that does take us outside of healthcare, looking at how other industries have addressed issues. And there's some really interesting examples if you think about, for example, travel and hospitality over years really shifted from a travel agent-centric model to much more of a consumer self-service model uh, today or financial services in which really the you could call it democratization of information, particularly around mortgage and loans and the ability for consumers to get the information they need and act on it from a financial services standpoint. The other interesting uh, analogy within financial services relates to uh, the retirement programs, retirement planning, and over the many years, the shifts away from defined benefit to defined contribution, putting the onus on uh, consumers to really plan for their retirement. And if we think about in healthcare today and from the consumer experience standpoint, many consumers have really transitioned into high deductible health plans, which really puts that onus and that burden on consumers to manage that. And while they're showing the desire to take more agency, it's clear that there's a lot of work left to do to really improve the consumer engagement or the consumer's ability to access that information. Next slide. Yeah, Bill, just to put a, a, a button on the um, on the agency uh, comment there, and I really like your analog to financial services. I've used similar ones in the past, although this idea that we become more and more the owners of our own retirement journey, I think is a really interesting analog. And it would be it would be good to look at some of the tools that have been built in that industry for uh, enabling them and think about how we might leverage those same capabilities in healthcare. So great analogy. Um, you know, the second leg of the stool that we started off the conversation with was really empowerment. And um, when we think of empowerment, as I said, I think it's, um, it's about giving uh, consumers the information and the tools they need to make good decisions. Uh, similar to what we just talked about, if consumers are expressing agency, they wanna get more involved in their own, in their own care, they're required to in many respects, well then from an empowerment question, it becomes more, are we giving them the information and the tools they need to, to be successful with it? And uh, just about two weeks ago, we published a, uh, an article on uh, our white paper really on uh, the transparent price transparency issues. As everybody on this call probably knows, right, we're, we're facing a mandate to uh, create much more price transparency beginning in January of 2021. Um, and uh, so our team at Deloitte in the Center for Health Solutions did a really interesting conjoint analysis to say how important are various attributes of transparency uh, to individuals' decision-making in their health. And what we saw was by far the most important attribute in driving a, a consumer's decision about whether or not to get care was how much their out-of-pocket payment was going to be. Um, and so what's even more interesting is that when they're given some level of certainty as to the level of that out-of-pocket payment, for example, $150, it's oftentimes a key influencer in their decision to seek care. Whereas if they're given a price of $300, it plays relatively little role in their decision as to whether they seek care. And more importantly, if they're given an out-of-pocket estimate of $1,500, it's oftentimes um, becomes a meaningless input into whether or not they seek care. They will oftentimes defer care as a result. And so, you know, when we think about how we pair some of these up, 
what becomes really important in the combination of these attributes is that when presented with clear estimates of out-of-pocket payments, consumers are actually more likely to look at quality ratings as a second driver of their decision. And so as health system leaders, when we think about empowering our patients to make good decisions in their health, it becomes crystal clear here that we need to be able to give them clear information about both cost and quality of the care that they're gonna receive. The second really interesting outcome of this study, Rick, on the next slide, shows you know, the degree to which consumers articulate that they understand the healthcare system. Now, I, I find this a little bit confounding because I think we all know I'm in this, in this industry and I find the healthcare system oftentimes really confusing. I know most of the calls I get from my mother are about how to help her navigate the healthcare system. But when we ask consumers when they're not in a healthcare situation, if they understand how the healthcare system works and how their insurance works, if they understand how they can find the, the terms of their policies, if they understand the difference between list price and, and out-of-pocket obligations, they, they answer overwhelmingly that they do. Um, with the lowest number articulating 59% saying that they either agree or strongly agree with the fact that they understand how the US healthcare delivery system and health insurance works. Now, I, I say that this is important because we've asked this question in the context of general understanding. I think if we were to ask this question in the context of someone navigating a very specific journey, we would see something very different because it is very hard to get access to the information about co-pays, co-insurances, deductibles, premiums, out-of-pocket payments, how my health, what my health system covers or what my health insurance covers, what it doesn't. And so I think this, again, calls us to action in terms of creating much more transparency and consumer-friendly articulation of all of these elements of, a, of an individual's journey. And the last point that I want to emphasize, because I, I talked about it on the first slide, is that this, this idea about likelihood to defer. Um, when, when presented with out-of-pocket payments that are um, you know, higher than anticipated by consumers, what we see is that low income and older consumers uh, at a relatively greater rate will choose to defer the needed care. And so, you know, what this says is that we need to be able to give these individuals who are choosing to defer the care that they need, the information they need to make a better choice, to empower them to understand that you know, while there is an out-of-pocket cost associated, there's also a relevant quality metric aligned to it. Because what we don't want to see is that we just continue to create more division in the community by pricing ourselves out of serving the market that most needs our care. Bill? And David, I think to that point, uh, really around transparency, that certainly has come across loud and clear in the consumer research as we've looked at it from the work that Change Healthcare is doing. And what you see in front of you here is really some research on um, putting together an index around the level of effort uh, for the portion of a consumer's journey of finding care. You know, and there's really two sides to this or two themes that I see from this data. The first is that across the overall finding, accessing and paying for care journey holistically, finding care is really deemed the, the, the most frictionless or easiest for consumers. And I think that generally relates to the fact, and 
maybe some of you have seen these types of uh, statistics where the majority of healthcare journeys begin with internet search and begin with, uh, you know, Dr. Google, so to speak, and the ability to access that basic information on providers in your area and where to go as a consumer has become much easier over the last number of years. So that, so that part is working more or less for consumers, but what's not working, as you can see here, and back to David's point, is really the ability to access information on price estimates and out-of-pocket responsibilities. And so that, that missing piece and finding and that finding care aspect of the journey certainly has an outsized impact. And you know, if you go to the next slide, when we think about some of the um, implications of this and what consumers are telling us, and we tested a lot of different ways that we could address these unmet needs across consumers. And the, the theme that really came across is they they compare uh, their search for finding care to their retail experiences. And so you think about e-commerce models and the ways that consumers find goods and services from an e-commerce standpoint, they want healthcare to be uh, that much easier. And I know in talking to you know, a number of our customers, uh, what's top of mind for them is how do we create sort of the Expedia-like experience for consumers that are increasingly becoming part of their, their strategies around their digital front doors and making it uh, much more um, in line with the everyday experiences that consumers have elsewhere. And so I think also to David's point here, you can see about 80% of consumers want online reviews and they're looking for information together, not just pricing, but also quality information. It's, it comes across and they use different language, but it comes back to that theme of how is the information being presented in such a way by the industry to really empower consumers in this stage of their journey. So if you go to the next slide here, I think there's some really interesting themes and opportunities uh, for us. And certainly what comes to the top of this is that empowering consumers really ties directly to their ability to get their, the information on their financial side, on their, on their financial responsibility and simplifying that and making that more readily accessible and frankly, more comparable. Um, because consumers, as we've showed earlier, are exhibiting more agency in their overall healthcare experience. And that becomes really important in how the industry can build consumer confidence and meet those rising needs. And I think um, as we look at it, you know, another way to think about it is moving from a paradigm of from paying for care to purchasing care. Because again, what the data is telling us from consumers is that they're making purchasing decisions of which a large decision is not to pursue the purchase, you know, to, to use language from consumer industries and that un, and not pursuing care, which ties back to price transparency and their out-of-pocket responsibilities. The overall financial uh, journey for healthcare has an outsized impact on the overall consumer experience. So anything the industry can do to improve that, to simplify it, to make it easier to find data um, is going to help empower consumers and is also gonna result in really consumers pursuing the needed care that they have. Yeah, Bill, I think it's, I mean, I think it's really important because I think agency and empowerment have to go together, right? So right. consumers are expressing a lot of agency, a desire to take more control of their own health. And what is missing in many respects is the information and the tools they need to do that. And so 
you know, meeting them where they are, beginning to design the tools for them. Think not just about issues of, you know, uh, pricing, transparency, compliance, but rather how can we think strategically about the uh, meeting the mandate of pricing transparency that enables our consumers to take control of their own journey in a fundamental way. And I think that's the important kind of call to action as we go into 2021 um, and have uh, more rules with which we have to comply is how do we look at that compliance through a strategic lens. Um, let's go on to the third leg of the stool, uh, Rick, uh, which is experience. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit throughout. Um, and, and um, you know, what's at the end of the day, and you just heard Bill talk about this desire that consumers have to have their healthcare work a lot more like the other interactions they have in their day-to-day -day lives, right? We put, in many respects, a lot of friction in the system between the consumer and their ultimate purchase, which, which is that interaction they have with their healthcare provider. And so when we asked consumers in our survey in, in 2020, and we did a similar a uh, very specific study in 2016 that said, what really matters to consumers? And what we learned is that what really matters to consumers is the ability to have a meaningful interaction with their provider, right? So you see the data here, 44% want a, a, a doctor or a provider that, that listens, that shows that they care about them. Um, you know, 42% want a doctor or provider who spends time, who does not rush. You know, 39% uh, want a doctor who, who really explains what, what they're doing during the exam and what needs to be done after the visit. So you see what really matters to consumers is the actual healthcare interaction. And the vast majority of touch points that they have with the system are non really healthcare related. It's things about searching and finding care, finding a physician, scheduling an appointment, right, getting through the financial process of sharing uh, insurance information, understanding the out-of-pocket payment, paying the bill and the statement, responding to surveys, all of those things added up far outweigh the thing that really matters to consumers. And so the call to action here is, is really about how do we actually think about this experience that allows us to emphasize the moments that matter. And this is the moment that matters, is the one where the consumer is face-to-face or virtual with their physician. And so, you know, we do we should talk a little bit about our, our relationship to the virtual world because all of us are, are learning to interact with just two-dimensional representations of all of our friends and family of late. And so we asked consumers in our survey this year, um, you know, again, if they'd had a virtual visit, were they likely to have another one? And what you see is that 80% of consumers who did would choose to have another, particularly the younger generation, probably not a big shock. But what was really interesting is when we started to ask them about how it went, most of them said kind of functionally, they got what they needed, right? I got the prescription I needed, I got the information I needed, you know, they made me feel comfortable, but then less so, it was still fraught with some friction. And more importantly, that last point was, we're seeing this fall off in, in the level of empathy, the meaningfulness of the interaction, right? Did they really engage with the physician in a way that they felt the physician was just as knowledgeable as, as a, in a face-to-face -face visit? And so, you know, one of the key findings from this and from our physician survey is a real need to think about how we better elevate the experiences that we deliver via virtual care, recognizing that we're likely to do more and more of it as we go forward.
and how do we help our physician community kind of move from having a good bedside manner to having a good website manner? And I think these are um, these are really important questions for us and work that we have to do ahead of us. Bill? Yeah, and David, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and you think about it also this notion of um, consumers feeling like they're being treated like an incident. You know, this was a, uh, this was, uh, a statement that we tested uh, in our research, and that really came across clearly that uh, the overall interaction with the provider has such an outsized impact on their overall uh, experience and connection and uh, to that uh, organization. And underneath that, we learned a number of things around issues with communication and how increasingly consumers are seeking ways to uh, frictionless and digital communications with their providers and their payers. I think it was also interesting on the payer side that uh, the vast majority of consumers would be quite happy for all communications to be digital. But uh, in, underneath that is just that ability to access and have those meaningful interactions. And that's just so important. And if you go to the next slide, as we think about this overall experience, uh, the, the consumer experience, and again, as we looked at three very specific stages of finding, accessing, and paying for care, when we put that to an index to score how difficult or, or easy it is, relatively speaking, for consumers. You, uh, you know, the overarching takeaway for this is that, and as we pointed out earlier, regardless of what class of insurance the consumer is on, uh, the overall experience remains really challenging and it's resulting in, a, in avoiding care. And so I'm gonna connect a few dots on this here as we um, go to the next slide, because taken together, when you think about the, the research we are showing you on consumers need to access transparency information and how that has an influence on whether they pursue care, you think about the information we showed you here on the overall experience and the level of friction that's contained with that experience and what consumers are telling us as that relates directly to whether they pursue care or not. The overall experience itself has really an outsized impact on demand for care and really on the business models and viability of our industry. Uh, and if you think about outside of healthcare, and there's been some really interesting research on what are the biggest factors for consumers that drive buying decisions outside of healthcare. And, and uh, the majority of consumers, about two thirds today, say it's the experience that's the biggest factor outside of healthcare for driving buying decisions, more so than price but it's that overall experience that's driving conversions. And so when we bring that back to healthcare, I see a, a real connection here between the reduction in effort and the reduction in friction and making these, uh, the information more readily accessible to consumers and the demand for services. In other words, a real win-win for the industry. Based on where we are today, there's a lot of need to make investments and improvements across the consumer experience. But that investment and those improvements will result in tangible business improvements in increased demand, um, which looked at from another direction means consumers are getting the healthcare they need before it results in much more costly and expensive and downstream consequences. So I look at this and saying, yes, it's a call to action. A lot of areas to improve across the consumer experience, but it's also a really good opportunity 
um, and an opportunity that the industry is just beginning to pursue based on on where we are today. Yeah, you know, Bill, I'll I'll, I'll make a uh, a couple of comments um, as well. You know, in 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 support of some of the work that's taken place in the industry over the last several years, and I think it actually shows up in your in your in your slides in your study, right? So finding care is a little bit easier, right? We've got search tools. We've we've learned how to optimize those tools. We've created the front door, if you will. Accessing care and paying for care is still pretty hard. And I think what we see, and, and there, the takeaway from that is that we've tackled many of these problems in isolation, right? So we've tackled the search and find function early on. And so we've gotten better at that, but we've only begun to tackle some of the others. And what we have is a series of, I'll call them version 1.0s of solutions that are oftentimes point specific. Right, a point-specific solution for paying for care, a point-specific solution for finding care, a point-specific solution for actually getting care in a virtual uh, kind of way. And so, you know, it's not a bad thing that we have a bunch of version 1.0s because it presents an opportunity for us to stitch those together now and to create that end-to-end -end experience that does remove those frictions and creates a little bit of an easier journey for those consumers. And when I think back on technology in general, you know, and I look at where we are in this life cycle, you know, many of us, you know, didn't really begin using graphical user interfaces until, you know, version 3.0. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, we have some promise ahead of us, I guess, is, is kind of my takeaway, but it needs to be a focus. And I think you're right from a business case perspective, doing the work now, making the investments now pays off in greater loyalty. It pays off in less deferred care and it pays off in better outcomes. And so there's a there's a stake to be uh, to be made uh, for providers and for payers. Um, you know, just to close it out here, and then I know there's a few questions that have come in, which maybe we'll we'll tackle is, you know, we, we came at this conversation with the idea that consumers are really demonstrating a higher degree of agency. And, you know, the takeaway from that is that, you know, they're they're wanting to get access to tools they need to navigate their own journey. And so it's, it's, it's incumbent on us uh, to provide them with those tools. You know, consumers are increasingly demonstrating a desire to become empowered. And so that means that we need to arm them with the information that's necessary to allow them to make good decisions. And, and at first and foremost is a lot of that information is around cost. And then the experience, right, we just, we just talked about, which is how do we remove the barriers that create just frictions that are unnecessary and, um, and, and allow those consumers to take their own control of that journey along the way. And again, there's opportunities here for both payers and providers. So, um, you know, th that, that's kind of how I would sort of sum up our conversation thus far. And I know we've got a few questions in the queue. Uh, maybe I'll ask Bill, maybe you can pick up some of the questions that we're seeing scroll up here. Great. Great. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, so before we begin the Q&A session, we would like to remind our attendees that they can submit questions in the Q&A panel located on the right-hand side of your screen. Type your question in on the open area and click send to submit. And Bill, David, we do have a couple questions that have been submitted. Um, so we'll just kind of tag, tag through them here. Um, first question I have will be for you, Bill. What strategies would you recommend for making it easier for patients to obtain healthcare? You know, I think it um, 
Great question. It it relates back to David's analogy of graphical user interfaces and the level of adoption and maturity. And as I think about what can be done here, I look at back to our framework of finding, accessing, and paying for care. Think about the ways that you can create connected journeys digitally that takes a, a consumer directly from um, understanding where they can go for a service, how much it's going to cost them out of pocket to being able to schedule, being able to register, being able to just complete the those steps in that, that journey to access care and as frictionless and as easy and as connected a way possible, not in a way that takes a consumer between you know, a self-service tool to a phone call to then back to, to a payer portal and then back again to the provider organization. These things have to be brought together in one experience. So many good analogies of how this is being done and driving growth leaders across other industries. I think about companies like Rocket Mortgage that have totally streamlined the ability to get a mortgage in minutes. Or I think about, you know, everybody uses the analogies of Uber and others that have brought together all the steps remove the activities that consumers have to go through to get that service and address it holistically. And that's that's not where we are today as an industry, but that's exactly where the investments are being made by those that want to really lead the industry and as a result, uh, command the growth and uh, command the market from the standpoint of the consumer experience. Great, thank you. Uh, so next question I have will be for you, David. Uh, question is, is it price or difficulty navigating healthcare that is the friction point to changing consumer health behaviors? Uh, to changing behaviors, um, I mean, I'm going to say a little bit of all of the above here, Rick, and let me explain why. Um, you know, I think ultimately it's my belief that, um, and supported by research in many respects that behavior change results from having uh, an understanding of what good choices look like and um, uh, you know what I should do for example we all know that we probably shouldn't have a half dozen donuts for breakfast every day right that's that's pretty well-known information we all likely know the outcome of that if we do so if really we want to change behavior we need to provide some education. So I oftentimes talk about literacy as a key component of that. Well, one of the ways that we get at literacy is by providing content to users through their journey in the healthcare system. It's really hard to get access. And my, my example is, is, a, is a poor one because it's relatively well known, but information about my health status and the things that I should be doing to improve um, is, is really hard for the layperson to get access to and to understand. So there's an opportunity for us as a health system. Um, is it price? It, it is price when it comes down to two things. We make it really hard to get clarity around what the price actually is. So just like getting access to information that's understandable, we make it really hard to get access to the price and make it understandable. And so without that information, I'm left to make maybe less informed decisions than I should. And so there's friction there. So that certainly is one challenge to getting behavior change. And, and we've got to take the friction out. But then, you know, we do have to address the fact that price does drive decision making. When the price is too high and they can't and, and a consumer can't link it to quality, 
they might not make the best decision. So, so there's a lot packed into that question, I think, and uh, I'll just maybe you know put a button on it because I talked round and round the barn there. Uh, yes, it's friction. We make it really hard to navigate the healthcare system. We have to fix that. Yes, it's price. We've got to make it easier and more accessible to get care in our system. And number three, it's also information and literacy and content that we need to be making available to consumers that allow them to make good choices and change their behaviors over time. Great, thanks, David. Uh, so Bill, this one will come back to you then. Uh, what can payers do to help their members have a more meaningful experience with their physicians that they desire? And is it uh, preparing their consumers or preparing their members uh, when the payer knows that uh, the member is seeking care, uh, making information readily available to them? You know, what I'll, I'll call attention as one example to the forthcoming interoperability mandate for payers that requires uh, payers who support government plans to make all of the consumer information they have available for, to those consumers, clinical, financial, pharmacy, directory information coming this January. And so those payers are gonna have a larger role uh, in shaping and supporting the consumer decision-making in healthcare. And so uh, there's, a, there's an opportunity in that as well. So I think that's an important thing. The other thing I would call attention to, and again, it's a paradigm, change. But when we look outside of uh, outside of healthcare, and we see other industries, uh, the model for driving consumer growth and loyalty is creating tangible value for that consumer in terms of saving money and saving time. And, the, and, and so as we think about the role of payers in the equation, how do they help their members save money and save time. Consumers are in the research, they're asking for saving suggestions, they're asking for other ways to help manage their financial uh, obligations to healthcare. So what? So that's a big rock. We have to acknowledge that. And that rock gets in the way of great healthcare. So what can payers do to shoulder some of that responsibility and support their members in that aspect of their journey? You know, Bill, just to build on that a little bit, um, you know, we're having a lot of conversations about these these interoperability and price transparency rules that are coming down the line with clients today. And, um, you know, we're having them in the context of, uh, you know, consumer centric interoperability. So, you know, what the, the administration has done with these rules is really try to create an environment in which we are empowering consumers to have access to an ownership of their own health information and be able to choose how they use it, convene it with other data, share it with different providers. And, you know, a lot of health systems and, and, and organizations, I think, are there's a risk, I should say, maybe a, a lot aren't, but there is a risk that we treat this as a compliance problem, that there's a rule or a mandate and uh, legislation to back it up. And, and so we go through the motions of uh, you know, complying with those rules and mandates as we've done, you know, with ICD-10, for example, in the past. But the reality is we have real opportunity to kind of think about this strategically through the lens of the consumer. What happens when a consumer has this information? How can I better enable them to make good decisions as a payer in their own health by giving them this information? You know, what, what can I do with my pricing structure that allows me to be more competitive in the marketplace against my, uh, my peers? 
I think these are all really important questions that we should put up front in the conversation around interoperability and price transparency in particular, because quite frankly, there are other competitors who are entering this market from outside who are looking at this as an opportunity to create uh, really shopping opportunities for individuals to uh, engage differently with more digital first organizations. And they can be uh, they can be threats to incumbents and disintermediate the system in a significant way. And I think we're um, I think we're at risk of not taking that seriously enough at times. Yeah, I, th I think there's a you know there's a world uh, an ecosystem of companies and that support consumers in other ways that will, on behalf of those consumers, access that information to help them in supporting their healthcare journey. So I think that's the to your point, David. Thinking about this strategically, if I'm sitting there driving the payers agenda, you know, payers agenda on what to do here, I'm thinking about what are the value-added services? How do I support uh, more of the consumers finding, accessing, and paying for care journey that I traditionally haven't supported, so that I can retain those members and I can just continue to uh, strengthen uh, my position in the market because that's really the evolution that's uh, is underway. You got it. Great, thanks both of you. Um, so David, this, this question will come back to you now. Uh, do you see more of a concierge type model being initiated on a large scale basis? Um, that's a really interesting question, Rick. I, I, let, me, let me say it this way. I actually think there's a real opportunity for organizations to create experiences for um, their consumers that are concierge-like, and they will disintermediate. And um, when we think of, when I think of a traditional concierge medicine, um, you know, I think of, uh, you know, kind of VIP level service. But in reality, you know, if we go to a hotel, you know, even as, you know, a, a regular consumer, we have access to the concierge at the front desk and they help us navigate. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm a VIP. I just happen to be in that hotel at, at the time. And my point there is that I think what we see in concierge medicine are examples of what consumers really want in their healthcare experience. And there's no reason that that has to be limited to a particular VIP level of service. And I think you see some startups out there uh, and, and even, I wouldn't even say startups, some uh, uh, large players making plays in the marketplace that are delivering consumer-driven healthcare services that work from the consumer first back uh, and are meeting the unmet needs that are feeling like probably concierge type services at a really low cost. And, and so, you know, it's an example to say, well, we shouldn't just reserve great customer experience for those who can pay and afford it. Uh, we actually, it's incumbent on us to give great customer experiences to everyone along the socioeconomic continuum because others are coming in and doing it and they'll take our market share away. Great, thank you. And I think we have time for uh, just one more here. So Bill, I'll give this last one to you. Um, do you see the CMS price transparency rule as the beginning of the government move towards cost controls and or legislation to end surprise billing for consumers? You know, I there certainly has been a lot of legislative activity. It's on the agenda um, at a federal and state level. There have been some states that have 
past rules as well related to surprise billing. So I don't see that. Um, uh, you know, I, I see that remaining a relevant and focus, uh, focused area uh, from a policy standpoint for the foreseeable future until it's addressed in some form or fashion. Now, whether that ties in directly to the price transparency uh, rule that uh, providers will need to be in compliance with this January uh, is a different question. Uh, certainly, it all falls under the umbrella of helping to support and remove consumer friction in healthcare. I think that's the underlying intention um, of that. So both of these things are being watched. Certainly, um, you know, uh, there's uncertainty around th these agenda items, but where there's a substantial consumer um, pain point here, uh, it's gonna remain on the forefront of the, uh, of the agenda around healthcare policy. And, and we know uh, clearly with um, the increasing financial responsibility that consumers bear in healthcare for, uh, in many cases, that that's just going to continue to activate uh, their, um, the legislation efforts around it. Great, thanks, Bill. Um, so I think that's gonna be about time for our Q&A session. Uh, any questions that we didn't get a chance to answer here on the live session, we will reach out directly via email. Um, and before I close out our sessions, I'll give both Bill and David an opportunity for any last remarks as well. Great. Well, uh, again, thank you all for um, for joining our session today and hearing our research and insights on on healthcare consumerism. We certainly are passionate and committed to this area. It's so important for our overall industry, and I think as you see in the in the messages that we've delivered, there's an there's a really good opportunity through all of this, a really important opportunity. And so that's how we see it and, and uh, will unfold over the coming uh, months and as this plays out further. Yeah, and I just, uh, to echo Bill, your comments, thank you to all of you who participated today and um, you know, thank you to the Change Healthcare team for inviting us to participate with you. I, I'm pleased to see how uh, our research and yours kind of aligns and, and stitches together. Uh, to really tell a similar story, which is there's an opportunity for us to fundamentally transform the business from the consumer back. And uh, uh, thanks again for inviting me. I, I very much appreciate participating. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.